0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Who's Paying Attention Episode 8. I'm Alonzo Bowden and uh, I'm your host. And this is Episode 8, so if there's a top 10 of my podcasts so far, all of them would make the list. How cool is that? Every podcast I've done is a top 10. So, let's jump right into it, shall we? Um, Pretty cool story here. Joel Ward, okay, who is a black hockey player. Let me say that again. Joel Ward, a black hockey player. He plays for the Washington Capitals, and and I'll admit, I didn't know about this, okay, because I am not a hockey fan. There are are certain black stereotypes that I fit perfectly, like I can't swim, and... uh, I don't know anything about hockey. So, getting back to this story, Joel Ward plays for the Washington Capitals. He scored the Game 7 winning goal in overtime against the Boston Bruins, who were champions. They're eliminated now. And he scored it on the Bruins goalie, a guy named Tim Thomas. Now, here's why this story is a great story and why Joel Ward is a great man. Obviously, If you're a black guy playing hockey, you've dealt with racism all your life because there's not many black hockey players. Now, the ironic thing is Tim Thomas is a guy from the Boston Bruins who refused to go to the White House and meet Barack Obama. You know how champions always get to meet the president like championship teams? He didn't go. Now, he claims he didn't go because he doesn't like big government. Really? Really, Tim? big government, that's why you didn't go? (laughs) Okay, whatever. So he didn't go. So you know how beautiful it is for a black hockey player to score on this guy to eliminate them from the playoffs? Now, of course, as soon as it happened, you know, the backlash started on Twitter because Twitter is where the most courageous people hang out to make their comments, to let their voices be heard, to let their thoughts be known. The typical racist cowards on Twitter started up right away. Um, one of the tweets, you're one of three black guys in Canada. I will find you and I will kill you. Um, another tweet, hey, nigger, what are you doing playing uh, hockey? It's a white sport. You know, all, all, the usual stuff. The beauty of Joel Ward didn't respond. He said he grew up playing hockey. He said he knows he's a black man in a white sport and therefore will be subject to racist taunts. And, and he did a Jackie Robinson on him. No response at all. Kudos to the man, Joel Ward. How great is that, that he just, like, they hate him. And he just said, yeah, whatever. I'm still playing. Your team is watching. And, and is it funny that Joel Ward is in D.C., same town as Barack Obama? I don't know. I like it. Uh, Joel Ward is a Canadian citizen. His parents are from Barbados. And this is not unusual for a Canadian citizen. Because I was just in Canada again. And thank you, Halifax. I'm raising a plastic cup of juice to Halifax for having me at their comedy festival. Because I, I love Canada. I always have a ball. And Halifax was even nice enough to have beautiful sunny weather for one of the two days I was there. And if you've been in the Maritimes in the spring sunshine unheard of. Just imagine Seattle but colder. And yes, Canadians, I did say Maritimes. I actually know your country unlike so many of my American brethren. But anyway, hockey is beyond a sport in Canada. Hockey's closer to a religion in Canada. Everybody plays it, everybody watches it. It's not like the US where you know you have baseball right the American pastime, but we don't play baseball anymore. We go down to Latin America for our baseball players now, it seems. Um, football, most watched sport on TV, basketball, lover In Canada, it's all about hockey. So it's not unusual that this kid grew up to play hockey. Now, you know you know what else is great? He's a hockey player. So, you know, big part of hockey is fighting. Hockey players whip ass and they don't seem to mind losing teeth while delivering or receiving these ass-whippings. So to all you racist tweeting Joel Ward, why don't you roll up on him? Yeah, roll up on him and get in his face and say what you have to say. And I bet he would throw a serious hockey ass-whipping. How great would that be? if he just? You've We've all seen it on TV, where they throw the gloves off and just start punching. How great would that be? Hey, nigger, you shouldn't play hockey, and he beat their ass on ice skates. Anytime you get your ass whipped on ice skates, that is a true ass-whipping. That's another level when a guy, no, I didn't even need a firm footing to whip your ass. I did it on ice. Joel Ward, you are the man. Love this guy. Okay, sports stories. Don't know if you heard. Derrick Rose, last season's MVP this is, we're in the NBA now, NBA playoffs. Derrick Rose plays for Chicago. There was another basketball player from Chicago. What was his name? Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan. Runs the Charlotte Bobcats. Worst basketball team in history. How much is that killing Michael to know that he's in the front office of a team that went, what, 7-56? and 56? Ooh, they didn't want to be like Mike. Anyway, Derrick Rose tore his ACL. He's out for the season, won't be in the playoffs. It's a shame. He's been hurt a few times this season. He's a remarkable player, and I'm just saying all this for those who don't follow sport. So, once again, Twitter and Twitter and idiots. It's it's like ask you know are there idiots on Twitter? Is water wet? I mean, it. How do these two? It's like a magnetic force. Like, hey, I'm an idiot. Let me get on Twitter and let the world know. I think that honestly, is that why they created it? Derek Ward goes down, torn ACL. A shoe designer at Nike. Now, Derek Ward is an Adidas guy, you know, and LeBron James is a Nike guy. So, the designer from Nike, this is what he tweets. You got one guy only getting stronger and one guy breaking down before our very eyes. You chose poorly, Pooh. That's what he tweeted while Derek Rose is laying on the ground with a torn ACL, meaning that LeBron, you know, I mean, this makes it so much easier for the Heat to win a championship, and, and I want to see the Heat win a championship, I want to see LeBron win, but I don't want to see it, because Derrick Rose tore his ACL, so anyway, Mr. Idiot at Nike tweets that, and again, these guys should meet these athletes, like, personally, like, n- next year, you know, when Derrick Rose's ACL is back, say, hey, Derrick, I'm the one who is talking shit, and then he could get a Chicago ass-whipping, wouldn't be on ice, He'd be on hardwood, different kind of ass-whipping firmer base taller ass whipper but it'd still be good and then what does Jason follow it up with the usual twitterverse I apologize it was really tongue-in-cheek never meant any harm or disrespect blah 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 shut up shut up they, they I don't know I don't know what Nike's gonna do with this guy I don't know if Nike is gonna fire this guy or they're gonna keep this guy or what they're gonna do but you know Petri followed up with his blah 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 Shut your ass up. Jeez. Sorry that uh, that Derrick Rose is out of the playoffs. I'm a Nike guy. I'm a LeBron guy. I wouldn't have made that joke. Might have made another joke. Something about Jordan, maybe. But not about him getting hurt. Anyway, this Nike guy, you're an asshole, Jason. I don't know if Nike's keeping you. I haven't, haven't heard yet since you did your apology. Hmm. Well... Let's move on. How are my Knicks doing? Um, you you guys know I'm a Nick fan. I talked earlier. Love Jeremy Lin. Love the whole thing. You know I'm a big Amari Stoudemire fan. Not a Carmelo Anthony fan, but love the team. I don't know if ass whipping is the right term for the beating. <laughs> the Miami Heat put on the Knicks in the first playoff game, 100 to 67. All right, 100 to 67. The Knicks should have sent the Kentucky Wildcats to play for them. Would have done better. And and 100 to 67 was like getting close at the end. There were there was one point when now what? what let me see if I can find the exact score because there was literally one point in the third quarter where the Miami Heat were ahead 62 to 31. That's right. In the third quarter, they doubled the Knicks score. How embarrassing is that, especially considering there used to be a rivalry between the Knicks and the Heat. I don't think so. Not so much. Not anymore. So again, I want to see I want to see LeBron win one. And and that may not make sense to you like you're a Knicks fan why do you want LeBron to win? I want to see LeBron win to shut everybody up. LeBron is the best player in the NBA. And once he wins a championship, they can take that mantle off. Best player to never win. He sucks. Blah, blah, blah. We hate him. Blah, blah, blah. He took his talents to Miami. I've been to Cleveland. I've been to Miami. Cleveland, with all due respect, you'd move to. So, good luck to the Miami Heat in the playoffs. That's my call. That's what I'm saying. I'm sticking with it. Yeah, my Clippers are in the playoffs, too. They're my Western team. They're my adopted team team because I live in LA have no idea how they're going to do against Memphis but go Clippers it'll, it'll just be fun watching uh, Blake Griffin dunk on people and Chris Paul is no doubt on a mission now I'm going to relate myself to athletes okay a lot of people ask me did I play ball you know I'm 6'3 I'm 250 fat pounds and I look like I could have played ball back in the day I did play ball I wasn't, I was good, but I wasn't that good. Like there was, there was never any threat of me going to the NBA. I I got to play against NBA players when I was in my twenties and you always have that dream. And every guy out there listening knows you wonder, could I have made it? Could I have played in the league? Let me tell you something. It was a completely different game. I have never spent so much time looking up in awe. The talent level these guys have, the worst guy in the NBA is unbelievably good. All right. So when I say I'm going to compare myself to athletes, it's not as a player. I'm going to compare myself in the area of losing money. Okay. <laughs> now here's the story. The question, has the housing market finally hit bottom? We all know what's gone on in housing over the past six years, say maybe five, whatever. Okay, I won last comic standing in 05, 06. And they said, Lonzo, you should invest in real estate. And I did. I bought a house in an area called Valencia, like a suburb of LA. I got a condo in Scottsdale. The two markets that have done the worst <laughs> in real estate, um, well, Vegas did pretty bad. So I didn't, didn't get a condo in Vegas, didn't get a house in Vegas. But I probably would have if I had a chance. Arizona and LA let me tell you something my real estate investment strategy buy high sell low I hated living in Valencia I could not live in suburbia the whole cul-de-sac thing it was a beautiful house it was a big house Um, not a McMansion or anything but it was a big it was like I don't know 3,000 square feet pretty big I'm single one guy. loved the three car garage somewhere to keep the toys anyway after two years of living there man I couldn't stand it had to get out sold the house lost my ass on the house recently started the process to do a short sale to get out of the condo in Arizona because that ain't coming back and there is some Canadian is is Canada my subtopic this week? I don't know but there's a Canadian buyer who's going to grab that from me real cheap and, and good luck to him you know I used to rent it out but anyway so here's how I relate to athletes I made a lot of money and I lost it all Maybe I should have invested in baby mamas. That's what they do. They, they get a whole set of baby mamas. But they, I think the baby mamas are around longer. And you can't do a short sale on a baby mama. You can't just go to the bank and say, look, the baby mama thing ain't working out. How about we split our losses? So, <laughs> you know, maybe that wasn't the way to go. But anyway, I'm not broke. I'm not anything like that, fortunately. I'm, I'm still funny. I'm still on the road, I'm still making a living, and I love what I do. And you guys are listening and tell everybody to send one dollar. I'm kidding. I'm not asking for money. But well, I don't know. Maybe if you want to send a dollar, I'll take it. Listen. Is the house has the housing boom reached bottom? I don't know, but my personal one has. Now, the experts, okay, Zillow Inc., which is one of these, you know, services that follows the real estate market. They say that the real estate market will see a definitive national bottom later this year or early 2013. The National Association of Realtors, those are the folks that sell houses, they say there's going to be an uptick in home sales this year because they're, you know, signing more contracts first quarter, more sales were closing, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I don't know if housing's hit bottom. Why does it matter? Because so much of our economy is dependent on housing. It affects everything it affects people's personal net worth it, it has to do with taxes you know if you buy a house you get the mortgage deduction you leave the renter's market you go in that that helps um so many jobs are created when houses are built and sold etc And i'm not talking about some boom like we did in the 2000s that was all fake and now we have all these empty new developments and stuff i'm talking about real housing and and how things grow and also how people feel you feel better if you own your home, you feel better if your house is stabilized, you feel better if you don't have two or three or four or five fake mortgages on it and you could lose your house at any moment. So so I hope the market has bottomed and you know, whether it just stays where it is or creeps up or whatever, I, I hope for some stability. Am I investing in it again? Hell no. Can I say that again? Hell no. Give me a million dollars, I'm not buying a house. Just give me the million dollars. I'll figure out what to do. Maybe I'll buy some Apple stock. Apple stock would be good. <laughs> Wish I had bought that in 05. I wouldn't even be talking to you people right now. I'd be sitting in my huge house counting my money saying <laughs> I invested in Apple. I like to dream. What can I say? Let's move on. Since we're talking about money, since we're talking about the economy, since we're talking about growth, the future, Mitt Romney has given us some advice. Kids, you paying attention? Who's paying attention? The kids are. You're young, you're broke, you're coming out of college, you were occupying Wall Street, and they rounded you up, and they tossed you out of the park. Well, Mitt Romney's got, got an idea for you. He's gonna help you. Mitt Romney said, and I quote, take a shot, go for it, take a risk, get the education, borrow money if you have to from your parents, start a business. That's right, you see? See, you didn't think of that. Borrow money from your parents, right? You were one of these kids whining about student loans and the interest rates going up, and you can't find a job. Listen. Romney cited a friend of his who took out a $20,000 loan from his parents. Now, why the hell can't your parents just give you 20 grand? How lazy are your parents? You know, I'm. listen, I lost my dad a few years ago. But were he still around, I would get on his ass. Why weren't you rich? Don't you know that's how I was supposed to get my start? And, and Romney's not the only one, you know. This is a Donald Trump thing. Donald Trump writes these books like How to Get Rich and Rags to Riches and blah, blah, blah. You know what Donald Trump... His father was a multi-millionaire in real estate. He just basically moved the empire from Brooklyn to Manhattan. So to you kids out there who want to get rich, who want to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, who want to make it on your own, I ask you, why aren't your parents rich? What What, what is wrong with Mitt Romney? Doesn't he have anyone? like? I know none of his personal friends, but shouldn't there be someone on staff, someone in his circle, someone around him <laughs> that lives in the real world? So before he says something so out of touch, as I oh, just borrowed the money from your parents, they say, "Hey, hey, Mitt." Not everyone in America has rich parents. Some people have working-class parents. Some people even have poor parents, and they got to school through loans or or a scholarship or something but when they want to start the business they can't just say hey dad why don't you toss me 20 grand you know something dad make it 200 grand i'm gonna follow alonzo's advice and invest in some houses oh good luck Mitt. this <laughs> this this election's is gonna be fun i i don't even know what to think okay on the topic of money and out of touch the CEO of General Motors, a gentleman by the name of Dan Ackerson. And, and Dan, unlike so many CEOs, has actually done a good job because, you know, General Motors has turned around and, and it was profitable this year and they've got some, you know, they got some hits on their hands. The the Volt is doing pretty good and blah, 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 blah. And we, we all know General Motors was a success story for the administration. They invested in General Motors. General Motors is making a comeback. Saved 400,000 jobs in America. Blah, 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 blah. Um, here. Here's a point to think. Here's the point of what I'm talking about. I am talking about something. I, I really got to focus. Ackerson <laughs> was paid $7.7 million in 2011 yeah his pay was 7.7 million 1.7 million in salary 5.95 million in stock awards and the board is saying he was underpaid they didn't get how's he gonna make it how you gonna get by on 7 million a year now granted okay other CEOs made more like uh the CEO of Ford Alan Mully earned 29 million okay now the way that breaks down Um, Ackerson at GM made $0.85 for each vehicle GM sold. Mully made $5 for each car Ford sold. But, But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ford didn't take a bailout. Ford didn't get any money. And part of the deal of the bailout, OK, that was that we're going to try to limit pay packages and this and that. But And then now I know you're yelling, that's socialism, blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. The government was a major investor. If you are a major investor in a company, I think you have a right to say how much the officers are going to be paid. But even more importantly, and even more like back to real life. What about all the GM employees, whether they be factory employees or, or the, the white-collar middle management types or whatever, that took huge cuts, that took cuts in healthcare care benefits, took cuts in pension, were laid off, et cetera. What about all of them? Did they ask them if they think $7.7 million was too much? You know, what What about shared sacrifice? What about shared investment in the company? Who who sits around and says, man, that's $7.7 million? That just ain't enough. I mean, it's one thing, okay, if you're a movie star and and your movies make $200 million and you're like, well, you got to pay me $20 million because I provide that service. Or if you're a basketball player or, or a baseball player and that's the going rate, you know, Albert Pujols gets a hundred and some odd million because, hell, he's Albert Pujols who really can't hit American League pitching so far, but he's going to figure it out. Oh, I forgot. I'm supposed to be focused. Listen, Ackerson. You got seven point seven million. GM is by no means totally out of the woods. That that's a pretty decent paycheck. There's probably some unemployed CEOs that say, you know, I'll run GM for six million. I'll even get by on five million. You couldn't get by on five million. Five million and some food stamps. How's that for a compensation package? We'll throw in some food stamps because there ain't no way you're gonna get by on five million. He got paid seven point seven million. In Detroit. Aren't there houses for sale in Detroit for like under twenty thousand bucks? I think seven millions. Alright. What what world do they live in? Just the talk to the board. Just just ask them. Say what what world do you live in? Seven point seven mil ain't enough. And and it wasn't Ackerson complaining. It was the board. We're gonna lose him. We're gonna have to find another draft pick that'll work for these pitiful wages. While we're on the topic of work, now get this, now now this, this is amazing. Um, There's a woman, she's trendsetting, she's a game breaker, a game changer. She's, She's amazed the corporate world. Her name is Sheryl Sandberg. What has she done? She works for Facebook and she works 40 hours a week. Man, I hope you were sitting down when I said that. She works 40 hours a week. You know why? Because it's been proven that that is the sweet spot. That is where productivity maxes out 40 hours a week. This woman, Cheryl Sandberg, has been leaving the office at 5.30 to be with her kids. What country does she live in? What the hell? Working 9 to 5, leaving at 5.30 to be with the kids? What's wrong with you? Well, nothing's wrong with her. That's what works. Listen, they've done studies, okay? In the early 1900s, Ford Motor Company did a study. They found out 40 hours a week is the most productive an employee can be. You can add overtime. If you add 20 hours a week, minor increase in productivity for a few weeks, then people get tired. Then productivity goes down. You've done it. You've pulled the long hour, you know, the 12-hour day, the 15-hour day to get something done. But you can't work like that every day. Your brain's not gonna stay focused. You're gonna get tired, and, and productivity drops. I used to work in a factory building airplanes, and you know when it came time to get the plane out, the last few weeks, crunch time, we'd work crazy overtime. But but you can't work like that all the time. But the fact that it's news that 40 hours a week, like that's what you're supposed to be working. But now in corporate America, they're like, if you don't put in 50, 60 hours a week, you're not a team player. You're not trying. You're not giving enough. Stop it. 40 hours a week is productive. And it's interesting. She works for Facebook. Because that's like one of the new types of corporations. You know that doesn't. I mean they don't build anything. They don't do anything. It's not like she's at the factory. She's doing her job. 40 hours a week and getting it done. Cheryl Sandberg. Game changer. This stuff is news people. Working 40 hours a week is news. It's ridiculous. It's scary it's also funny and that's why i do it okay let's get are we getting more serious less serious or different again again this is just it keeps coming back to this thing of of we as a nation are divided and we with one side will not listen to the other one side will not tolerate the other and and you know it's not just like politically divided you know left wing right wing um or or religious, non-religious, it literally, paper or plastic, the paper versus plastic people, I don't know if you've seen them lately, but you'll never see them in the same grocery store, they won't have it, you know, and now you've got to bring your own bag, people, fortunately, they stay in Whole Foods, so things aren't getting too ugly, but but again, the ridiculous divides, what happens, and, and why nothing gets done, So so here's my story, Dan Savage, if you haven't heard of Dan Savage, Dan Savage is a gay man and he he's the pioneer of a It Gets Better campaign, basically an anti-bullying campaign against um, obviously physical and, and verbal and mental abuse of gays, particularly teenagers and blah blah blah. Now, <laughs> this and this, you'll hear why I'm laughing in a minute. He's giving a speech um to a conference, uh, national high school journalists conference in Seattle, and he goes off on the Bible and he and he calls some Bible verses that are anti-gay bullshit, and some Christian teens get up and walk out. Now here's the funny part: he calls them pansy ass for walking out. That I I'm gonna laugh if a gay man calls you pansy-assed, that shit is funny because he would know. <laughs> but anyway, here here's the thing he shouldn't. Should he have said the Bible is bullshit? I don't know, maybe. I could see where if you believe in the Bible, if you're Christian, that you would be insulted by that. But you're a journalist, so you gotta suck it up. You gotta listen to things you don't like hearing. Now, was he right to say it? No, it's insulting, but but you know, that's what you do. You stir stuff up. He's an activist. Now, what the points he was making, and I've seen these emails, and I can't tell you exact Bible quotes, but he was talking about the fact that They'll pull out Bible quotes that are anti-gay, right? Man shall not lay with a man, etc., etc. But then there are other things in the Bible, you know, like you should be stoned if you talk to a woman while she's on her period, or, you know, there, there are things in the Bible that approve slavery that's, you know, eating shellfish is a sin, blah, blah, blah. So basically he's saying, listen, you don't, you don't adhere to all of that. You just adhere to things, or you just use things. And when I say you, I mean the people who bully or or uh, discriminate against gays based on Bible beliefs, religious beliefs. What he's saying is, you either it's all or nothing. You can't just pick. Okay, I'm gonna believe this verse, you know, about gays shouldn't get married and gays are evil, but I'm not gonna believe this verse about if you eat shellfish, you're going to hell forever. Imagine that, Red Lobster. Did you hear me, Red Lobster? Those shellfish are evil. You see what I mean? It, it doesn't work. So I think he was wrong in using the word bullshit. I think it's hilarious for him to call him pansy ass. But they they were they shouldn't have walked out. They they should have stayed. They should have maybe argued their point. You know, they should have questioned their journalists. Get in his face, man. Imagine if they were real journalists. Um, and when I say if there were real journalists, I mean on any level. I'm not talking about high school. I'm talking about right up to the pros. Uh, I think both sides were wrong on this one. But the worst thing about it is, once again, two sides can't talk. Just get up, walk out. I refuse to hear anything that I don't agree with or don't believe. And, of course, you know, the kids' side of it is covered on Fox News, which is the right-wing and, dare I say, religious side of it and now Dan Savage is a bully because he did this and they're high school kids. It's not bullying. It's it is not bullying. It is a bad choice of words. It it is um stirring up controversy. It is not bullying and and it's certainly not the type of bullying that a gay high school kid could suffer. So get over it. While we're on the topic of religion, a study and and I wanna See who did this so I don't just pull it out of my ass. A study pulled out of Alonzo's ass. I'm sorry, was that offensive? Sorry, I don't know. Uh, man, I can never find this stuff. See, I'm actually reading this. Some people would actually take notes and have this down, but this is what they came up with. Okay, um, this was published in a journal of science. Okay, Lead author Will Gervais, no, no relation to Ricky, a social psychologist at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Um, they say that thinking can undermine religious faith. That's right. Analytic thinking undermines religi- religious faith. Now what basically what they're saying is the brain, and it, this is a theory, the brain processes information using two systems first relies on mental shortcuts intuitive responses basically a gut instinct uh, and to quickly arrive at a conclusion the other employs deliberative analysis which uses reason you go through step by step and you figure it out now the the, the students were asked different questions and the answers were analyzed so here here's a question they asked a bat and a ball costs a dollar 10 and and you hate this right cuz this takes you back to school when one train was doing 40 miles an hour coming, going east and another was doing 30 miles an hour going west and you were like, listen, southwest tickets are so cheap, I just fly, I don't ride trains. But anyway, here's a question. A bat and a ball dollar ten in total. The bat costs a dollar more than the ball. How much does a ball cost? Now, the intuitive answer, and you're thinking it right now, is 10 cents, but that's wrong. If you do the math, the correct answer would be 5 cents. Okay, so... The students were asked questions like this, and then they were subjected to uh, rate a series of statements on belief, like in my life I feel the presence of the divine, or I just don't understand religion. And the people who were with the presence of divine, etc., tended to give the intuitive answers, and the analytic people tended to give the scientific or you know, non-religious answers. So yeah, the more you think the less likely, I shouldn't say less likely, there are fewer beliefs, you know, I mean let's face it in in medieval times, whatever, religion said you know, the earth is flat, which, which they still believe in parts of Mississippi you gotta be careful down there, and they said rain was an act of God which the governor of Texas, Rick Perry what did Rick Perry say? We're gonna have a day of prayer to make it rain, didn't quite work Rick, but you know it's, I'm not knocking religion. And, and there are many people who have both. See, here, here's my point. Another division, okay? Science versus religion. How about science and religion? Because there are scientists who are religious. And there are religious people who think and reason and change. That's the scary thing with religion. The people who refuse to change. the People who want to hold on to beliefs that may have worked in the 12th century. And things have changed since then, and and there's more acceptance of different kinds of people. And there are scientific questions that they never thought about. You know, um, stem cell research is not a sin. It's scientific research, and and God's okay with learning. But once again, one side or the other, we're divided. I like it. And, And just... Just a headline, <laughs> honestly. Thinking can undermine religious faith. I, My first re- gut reaction, how's that? My gut reaction on thinking is, <laughs> who didn't know that? Well, I guess a lot of people didn't, or maybe they did. All right, um, I don't even know how to categorize this. Uh, George Zimmerman, the guy who shot Trayvon Martin, collected 200 grand online. Through his Twitter and PayPal and whatever else, um, he may shut down his donation setup because copycats are collecting donations and they're not giving the money to him. But anyway, he collected 200 grand. His bail was 150 grand. He's out on bail now and, and people are just all over this. A lot of people are saying it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I don't know who would donate to Zimmerman, but obviously it's divided along racial and political lines I'm not, I'm not even going to get into it I'm not reading another bunch of racist tweets and, and hateful nonsense, hey, listen whatever, it, you know this trial, I don't even know what's going to happen here um, you know, the police chief is talking about he resigned and they don't want him to resign and this and that look, my opinion Zimmerman's wrong, you don't get a gun and go shoot somebody to stand your ground law if it if it's truly worked perfectly then Trayvon Martin would have shot George Zimmerman because I'm walking down the street in a neighborhood some crazy guy jumps out of an SUV yelling at me questioning me threatening me and I shot him honestly that's uh that's the way it should have went right that's who would have been standing their ground but enough of this made 200 grand blows my mind. Blows my mind. Now, let's get to something a little lighter. We like to leave light. They hate, Once again, we had the um, presidential press dinner, you know, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. They do this every year. And, and here's the thing, this is one of those where they, they hate, and when I say they, I mean the right wing, they hate Obama because he's good at this. He's funny. Okay? <laughs> So this year the comic was Jimmy Kimmel, and and Kimmel had some great ones. Kimmel, Kimmel shot down, you know, um, he got his start shooting out. Listen, everybody, but they all had some good lines. So uh, some of Kimmel's lines, I have a lot of Secret Service jokes. Kimmel said, and I told them for eight hundred dollars I wouldn't tell them. Secret Service only offered thirty bucks. Um, Kimmel pointed to Sofia Vergara, who is unbelievably beautiful. He said, this is what women like in Colombia. What's the Secret Service supposed to do? Uh, (laughs) Here's a great one. He pointed, he said, look, it's Chris Christie. And then said to Michelle Obama, get him. Because, you know, Michelle Obama is kind of the anti-fat person. Um, He zinged, he zinged Oberman. Under your seats, you'll find a copy of Keith Oberman's resume. And Oberman got really pissed about that one, but it was funny. So, so, Kimmel got off. He did pretty good. I'm looking. I don't see any of his Obama jokes, but he did some. Um, but then Obama got some, you know. Uh, the one of them I liked, <laughs> he said that um, this time last year he got one of the world's most notorious individuals, and then they showed a picture of Donald Trump, because as you know, last year, during the correspondence dinner, was when the, uh, the mission to get Osama Bin Laden took place. Wow, I'm ruining, ruining this. <laughs> he congratulated Arianna Huffington, and said there is no one out there linking to the kinds of hard-hitting journalism that the Huffington Post is linking to. In other words they don't write anything they just link to other things that other people have written Barack Obama said I have and Kim Kardashian was there Uh, don't ask me why I don't know but he says I have the nuclear codes and yet somehow I'm telling knock-knock jokes to a Kardashian how great is that that even the president can zing a Kardashian now here's the thing does Mitt Romney have a sense of humor we don't know because Saturday Night Live has been trying to get Mitt Romney he hasn't been showing up. Do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube or some video thing and check out the White House Correspondents Dinner because they're both funny and it was cool. And the last story, and, and this this is sad. I, I don't know how to tell you this. Once again, I hope you're sitting down. Amsterdam, the Netherlands, has banned sales of marijuana to tourists. Basically, the Netherlands has banned tourism. Here's how it works, and I've been over there. I don't smoke weed, but if you go over there, the coffee shops literally have a menu of different kinds of hash and weed, and you go there, and you sit down, and you get high, and it's legal. And you're like, not only are you high, you're high legally. So your mind is blown on two levels. It's a brilliant and beautiful thing. And they've, they've gotten a conservative government, so now they're saying you have to have a weed pass. You have to be Dutch to buy weed, if you're not, if you're a foreigner, you can't buy weed, and they're saying people are coming over from Germany, and Belgium, and buying tons of weed, and taking it back home, and selling it, no they're not, no they're not, dope smugglers don't go to coffee shops, to get their stash, get their supply, they, they get it from the growers, or whatever, it, it's, but but listen, okay, Amsterdam, I'm gonna tell you, I've been there, I love it, the the, the museums are interesting, And Frank, the sex museum is fascinating and and so on you ban weed sales to tourists you say goodbye tourism can you imagine going to Amsterdam if you get high can you imagine going to Amsterdam and not getting high that would be like being in a secret service going to a Latin American country and not buying any ass damn it there's something wrong with that stop it sell weed to tourists and tourists if you can't get your weed in Amsterdam Come to California. Look, we're broke. We need the tourism. You can get a medical marijuana card here for $300. What's wrong with you? They'll give you an ailment. Come to California. Buy some weed. We need some money. I got to make some money. I invested mine in real estate. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you for paying attention. Um, The week of May 14th to 21st, I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm going to be at Brad Garrett's new club at the MGM Grand. So come to Vegas. Hang out. And if you have a problem with with not smoking weed in Amsterdam, you come to Vegas where everything else is legal. I'll be there hanging out with the Secret Service. This is Alonzo. This is Who's Paying Attention. We went a little over time. Hopefully, we got a little more funny. Thank you for listening. Love you guys.